Hello, welcome back. Tonight's story, It's a Job. Written and performed by John Benz. And a warning, there is adult language. It was supposed to be a simple fucking job. Just pick the kid up, like all the rest. Oh, man. Huh? Oh, what? You? Okay. You want me to start from the beginning? Sure. All the way back at the restaurant? Okay. Um, okay. So, so me and my brother, Mickey, we ran a small restaurant and bar. Mickey's was its name. Great little place. And the coronavirus pretty much wiped us out. So then I was looking for something, anything, you know, I mean, I had bills. A what? Okay, you want more about my brother and Mickey? Or you know, me and my brother Mickey? Okay. All right. All right, you say when, man. Okay, so like, Mickey is my older brother, two years. And he was the golden boy hands down and I got no problem with that hell I considered myself lucky to have such a cool popular brother sports grades girls partying he was good at everything like like for instance the Mickey Bowl it was fucking famous the Mickey Bowl let me explain Mickey was the captain of the football team and the quarterback of course but he also was a defensive back And the team field goal kicker. I played on the offensive line. I blocked for Mickey. So it was the state championship game. And we were playing the dreaded and the hated Hofstra. Mick threw three touchdown passes and caught two interceptions and kicked the game-winning field goal from 50 yards. I mean, the guy was just a winner. I I mean, I had a good game, too. In fact, the next day in the local paper, the headline read, Lennon Brothers Dominate Central Wins State Title. And the picture they used was one of me throwing a block for Mickey. It was so awesome. It was a rollout play, sweep right. I was leading, arms up in a textbook run-blocking position, blood streaming from my nose, mouth grinning, eyes focused on the target, and Mickey behind me, looking cool as a cucumber, as always. The caption below read, Brother helping brother. My dad, he loved that picture. He had it enlarged and framed and hung it over the couch, right in the living room. And he was so proud. But yeah, that picture, that picture was like, you know, it was fucking famous, no joke. I mean, that shit was all over the internet. Maybe, maybe you saw it. So anyway, so, um, so Mickey, Mickey got a scholarship to play football at Ohio State. Yeah, right, I know, I know, man. Fucking Ohio State, the Ohio State. Uh, but uh, two years later, he came home. First time I ever saw my brother cry. You know, we never asked, we never talked about it. We didn't have to. Ohio State fucking chewed Mickey up and spit him out. That's the truth. But, you know, Mickey, to his credit, he was a man about it. You know, he moped for a few days, 
Then he announced, football is for kids. I'm going into the restaurant business. And the idea was born. And you know, I don't think he ever even asked me. It was just assumed by him and and everybody else that I would help my brother. And just like in football, I would do the grunt work and he would get all the glory. But you know, like I said, it didn't bother me. Mickey was good to me. I was lucky to have him. My mom always said the only reason Mickey wanted to own a restaurant and bar is so he would always have an audience. And she wasn't wrong. But you know, he was serious and smart. We both threw ourselves into it. The construction, the build-out, the floor plan, the menu, all that shit. He was definitely definitely the brains of the operation, though. I mean, I learned, I learned how to be a commercial chef and run the kitchen. Mickey tended the bar and ran the front of the house. We had a good thing going for a couple of years, doing well. So Mickey decides to do a complete makeover. Enlarge the place, new everything, tables, chairs, carpet, lights, new bar stools, bar, new sign out front, a whole new cafe style seating area, all new, you know, upgrade systems with the, with the point of sale, um, everything integrated in the cloud, you name it. Also back in the kitchen too, new pizza ovens, new fryers. It was nice. I at least a quarter million, if not three hundred thousand. Mickey was banking on a big increase in business. Yeah, then uh then the virus hit. Perfect storm of fucking awfulness. We had no business right when we needed it the most. Mickey sank into a bad depression. He had gone out on a financial limb with all the remodeling cost. But, you know, he was confident, as always, going into it, that, that it would, there would be a big payoff. And how he sat and watched his dreams die in front of him. I mean, look, you know, it was bad for me. It was bad for me, too, but, but it was worse for him. Even when we could, you know, we opened back up. And yeah, you know, we did the carry out and all that shit, but it didn't add up. And when we could open up, business never came back. It never came back to what it was. And we needed it to be twice of what it was. So, you know, I mean, we fucking went under. All All right, you want me to go there, man? Well, the end, look, the end, the end, look, this is fucking hard, okay? Okay, at the end, you know, the shit was just hitting the fan everywhere. Mickey's Mercedes was repossessed. And then the bank, they actually, they fucking repoed the pizza ovens and the fryer. They just hauled that shit out and charged us for it. happened next it was July 12th 2022 
Mickey drove his old car to the bank and parked it in the bank president's space. And he shot himself in the head. He fucking killed himself. He fucking lost it at the end, man. He, he was convinced the bank... All right, look, I got to take five, okay? I got to take five. Yeah, okay, um, yeah, I'm okay now. Sorry about that. You know, every time, every time it's hard, you know? So shit was bad. Um, my brother gone, the restaurant gone, the restaurant business gone to fucking shit. You know, government money, unemployment, running out, living in my mother's basement. And oh yeah, I mean, I forgot to say, in and amongst all of this shit, my dad died. And because of the COVID, we couldn't visit him in the hospital in his last days. Fucking tragic. So then, um, one day I got a call. It was an old regular from the bar, Joey Cafone. He says he has a business deal he'd like to talk to me about, and could we meet? Uh, Joey had a reputation as a connected guy. Him and Mickey were tight. Honestly, I gotta tell you, I felt a little privileged. Now that Mickey was gone, he was coming to me. Okay, so we met. First, he goes on and on about how tough it is out there. Like, I don't know how, you know, how evictions have skyrocketed. Huge homeless encampments circle the cities now. Yeah, shit's bad, Joey. So? Then he goes, but for lots, for lots it's been bad, but for some it's been good. It's been real good. The economy is humming, bro. You just have to be in the right circles. Okay? So what the fuck you got that got to do with me? Right? He looks a little disappointed and swigs his beer. And he says, how would you like to make $5,000 in a day? Well, considering I hadn't made $5,000 in the last three months, I said, well, yeah, of fucking course, I'd like to make $5,000 in a day. Duh. Then he tells me, look, man, I'm going to tell you something. In America... Because of all of this shit, kidnapping is a thing, and it's going practically legit. What? Kidnapping? Has this guy fucking lost his mind? That 5K went to ashes in my head. Are you nuts? Look. Look, he said, it's not what you think. It's not stealing babies. We're not, like, hurting anybody. Nobody gets fucking hurt in this shit anymore. Look. Look, he says. Walt, I'm giving you this opportunity because Mickey would want me to. You know, that... That hit me. Maybe I should listen.
Welcome back for part two of It's a Job. So like Joey starts to explain how the whole thing works. You know, he stresses it's a professional operation from top to bottom. Real strict division of labor. At the top, the researchers. Like nerds, geeks, computer hacker type guys. They, they find the good probable targets, you know. Then the advanced guys come in. They scout and monitor the target, take detailed notes, do a psych profile. I mean, the shit is thorough. Then the custody man, that would be you, takes custody of the target. Now, sometimes by force, but usually, usually by subterfuge. Then the target is taken to a, store, to a safe house, and then the keepers and the communicators take it from there. So you're probably thinking, okay, how do you keep the cops out of it, right? Well, let me tell you, smart boy, he says, the boss of this operation is a software coding genius, a smart fucking guy. And he developed this, he calls it an actuarial psychological algorithm that can predict what different people will pay for different things. You know enough information about a person and put it in the algorithm and it'll give you an answer. For our purposes, how much a person will pay for their child or their loved one before they go to the police. You see what I'm saying? It's like a sweet spot. The perfect ransom ask. Enough for us to make a worthwhile payday but small enough to induce the parent or whatever to just pay and not risk losing their kid or whatever by going to the police. It's a perfect system. So, Joey stretched out his hand. And then he says, so let's get you out of your mama's basement. Wow. He knew what to say. When he put it like that, how could I not? We shook hands. And then he says, okay, great. Like I said, this is a professional operation. You're going to have to train, learn the ropes before you get your first job. But don't worry, we pay a stipend while you're training. It usually just takes two weeks. Yeah. So that's how I got started in the world of uh, kidnapping. And it was basically, like he said, easy. Lure a kid, usually a teenager or young adult, with whatever they're into. Cars, drugs, girls. Mostly weed, though, if I'm being honest. They had a system, smooth, 5K every few days. And you know, I don't feel bad. We don't hurt nobody. I get to have my own place and help out my mom pay for her in-home nurse and shit like that. Look, for a guy like me, this economy got nothing. I could drive for Amazon or I could work in an Amazon warehouse or some fucking thing like that. Uber. Uber ain't what it used to be. Too many drivers, too few riders. Can't make shit. I swear. Man, sometimes it's like the powers that be 
They just assume guys like me go off and quietly die. But you know what? I say fuck that. You know what? And fuck. Fuck that indeed. I am proud of what I've been able to do. That I found a decent way. Well, maybe it's not a decent way, not a legal way, but a way to make a decent living in a shit economy. I mean, I got friends who've killed themselves. Not just my brother. I've had lots of friends kill themselves. Friends drinking themselves to death, drugging, opioids, all that shit. If it wasn't for this, who knows where I'd be? Probably not good. Well, it usually works like this. I get a dossier, a little packet delivered to my door. It's in code and a special ink that can only be read under a special light bulb. I kid you fucking not. It's usually 20 pages or more of details, everything I would need to know and more, psychological study of the target, their schedule, their habits, their likes, dislikes, layout of the house, the schedule of the parents, siblings, roommates, whatever. And of course, the social media postings and stuff like that. They would even summarize and suggest times and techniques to make the pickup. <laughs> oh, man. This one job. Let me tell you this one job. So I get the dossier. It says the kid is a teenage boy, loves video games, weed, and has his walls of his bedroom plastered with posters of red Italian sports cars, you know, like Ferraris and Lamborghinis. So, okay. So I rented a Ferrari. Red, convertible, of course. He's walking home from school. I have the top down on the Ferrari. I slow down next to him and act like I'm lost. The Ferrari did all the work. I put on like I'm like a lost rich guy who needed help. Hey, kid, do you mind giving me the directions? Me, I, I, really, I really don't know this area, and I have a terrible sense of direction. The kid's eyes practically come out of his head. It's like... Sure, mister. He fumbles for the knob and gets into the car. Nice car. He takes it all in, his eyes getting big. We drive a few blocks. He inspects the fit and finish of the interior, practically drooling. I have a poster in my room of this exact car. I smiled. I already knew that. Hey, you want to drive? I ask. The kid freaks. What? You'd let me drive? I mean, I just got my learner's permit, mister. I knew that. So, I said, well, 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 I gotta have a parent in the car or a responsible adult. I'm a responsible adult, I said. Come on, I owe you. So we switched seats. He got in. Poor kid. Stalled it twice, but he got the hang of the clutch after a while, and, and we were off. Kid looked cool. Sunglasses on, wind in his hair. One hand on the wheel, the other draped, off, draped over the side of the red Ferrari door. I guided him turn by turn to the safe house, told him to pull straight into the driveway. Kid was in awe, just listening to those eight Italian cylinders purr. What's your name, kid? I asked. Tim, he said. I already knew that. I gave, him a, I gave him an approving nod. You drive well, Tim. Hey, you want to hang out for a bit? 
I got some good weed. Kid's eyes go wide. Sure, he says. Let me tell you, they got these safe houses decked out with everything a teenager could possibly want. Cool-ass rooms, huge TVs, up-to-date video games, plus sectional couches. They have alcohol, weed, munchies. I mean, sometimes they don't want to leave, you know? So we get high and play video games. I'd already sent the coded text to the company to let them know the kid was in custody. I made lunch. Maybe 90 minutes go by, and I get a thumbs-up emoji from the phone. Hey, Tim, I say. Thanks so much for getting me over here, but uh, I have a terrible sense of direction. I'm going to call you an Uber, okay? Tim had started to strum strum on one of the guitars we have sitting in the room. Cool. He looked disappointed. A few minutes later, the Uber came. The kid left. And he never fucking knew he was kidnapped. A lot of the jobs went that way. So, like I said, it's highly organized with a premium on safety. Every actor in the whole operation only knows what they absolutely need to know. Researcher, advanced man, custody man, communications, negotiation specialist. Everybody stays in their lane. All goes, everybody goes by aliases, no real names. Everything is in code. Burner phones, phone tracking, disabling software, signal blocking devices. You feel me? So, anyway, I get this job, and it seems a little challenging from the start. Older kid, boy, 16. It's suggested in the dossier that I try to take him at an upcoming party. The kid likes to drink, and was known to binge drink and pass out. Great. My MO on these party, party nab jobs, since I'm too old to blend in, I sit outside in a car. If anybody asks, hey... I'm a dad looking for my kid. So anyway, it's like 3 a.m. And finally, I see the kid stumble out the side door. He takes a few steps and falls flat on his face in an azalea bush where he proceeds to hurl big time. He's alone, nobody watching. So I approach him. He's totally out of it. Passed out, but still standing, if you know what I mean. So I grab him, I fire him and carry him back to the car and unload him into the front seat. He's still out of it. Good. I get in and start driving. The safe house is maybe 30 minutes away. The kid starts convulsing and puking a little. Fuck, this is my new Tesla. God damn it. I pull over, get out, and pull him out of the car. He's lying on the grass, shaking and gasping. I start to worry, fuck, he's going to choke and suffocate on his own vomit. I think, should I do mouth-to-mouth resuscitation? Oh, God, no, he'll fucking projectile vomit right in my face. No thanks. So, So I flip him over, get him on his hands and knees, and wrap my forearms around him and pull hard. He puked his guts out. Right at that moment, a cop pulls up and turns on his lights. Uh, Bathed in the blue and red police strobe lights, I explained, I was a concerned neighbor 
giving the kid a ride home. The cop bought my Good Samaritan act. He bent over and took a look at the kid. You all right, son? He asked, flashing a flashlight in his face. The kid started to say something. Oh, God, what the fuck is he going to say? This could give me away. I'm good, he said, and then threw up on himself. Phew. The cop smiled. He's all yours, he said, and walked back to his police cruiser. Whew, that was close. So I get him back in the car and resign myself to the fact that I will be cleaning puke out of my new Tesla. It's one of those hot, humid summer nights. We get back to the safe house. Again, I sling him over my shoulder and carry him in. I deposit him on the bed in one of the bedrooms, take his phone, remove the battery, kick back in the game room and wait for the text saying everything is cool. Phone rings. Unknown caller, it says. Weird. I slide my index finger across the screen to pick up. Fuck, you got him? This this is your researcher. My researcher? This was highly unusual. The voice on the other end sounded hysterical, unhinged. Yeah, I say. Fuck, fuck, fuck! What? I shout. I fucked up. It's, it's the boss's kid. What? I say. How? Don't ask, man. He looked, he looked just like any other rich guy with an extra hundred thousand dollars electronically cyberly. I don't, I don't know. It was random. We keep everything so secret. Fuck! Oh, my God. Dude, chill. Chill. He's out like a light, okay? But how am I going to get fucking paid? What do you... What do you mean he doesn't know... What? He doesn't... He doesn't know he's been kidnapped? Right. He was stumbling drunk when I made the pickup. Okay, so... Palpable relief on the other end of the phone... Can you take him back? Well, risky, I say. I mean, there might not be anybody there anymore. The voice shoots back. Risky? The boss finds out we kidnapped his kid. We're dead. Huh. Hey, look, I say. None of this we. I did what I was supposed to do. I picked the kid up. This is your fuck up. Right then, right then, the kid walks in the room and says, Where am I? Fuck. I didn't know what to do. So I just start, I just start channeling something, anything. Hey, Billy, feeling better? I mean, man, dude, you were so wasted, so funny. I mean, <laughs> hey, I'm Ted. We met at the party. Remember, we came back here to do some blow. You passed out. Had me worried, Billy. So I wrap an arm around him, uh, start leading him to the door. Let's get you back. (laughs) He started toward the door. Who are you? He says, Ted from the party, remember? No, he says, I laugh. Dude, dude, you are funny. I got him in the car. I get in and start driving back to the party. It's still dark, but the sun's coming up. His phone starts to ring. He looks at the screen. Oh, fuck, he says. What? It's my dad. My heart sank. 
but I tried not to show it. Then I thought, this might be a good thing. Hey, I say, hey, you know, he probably just worried. Just let him know you're okay. The kid answers, Dad, I was at a party. What? How do you know? Okay, okay, Dad, stop freaking out. I left with a friend, and we're coming back right now. He hangs up. Fuck, he's there, he says. What? I say. My loser friend Robbie told him the party address, so he went there looking for me, and now he's fucking pissed because I'm not there. Oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. My chest was getting tight. I was starting to panic. Then I realized he has no idea who I am. I'll just have to keep up the keep up the acting job, keep up appearances. The party's breaking up when we pull into the cul-de-sac. Kids are milling around. One man, 40-ish, wearing an aqua golf shirt and a pair of cargo shorts, is standing in the front yard, arms folded, looks pissed. That your dad, I say? Yeah, he says. I pull to the curve, hoping the kid will jump out, go to his dad, and make a quick ex- and I can make a quick exit, avoiding contact. No such luck. The guy spots us and runs over to the driver's side window. What the fuck did you do with my kid? Dad, calm down. I needed a place to chill and sober up, so he helped me. Dad hears this and exhales. And then he stares me right in the eye and points. Did you give my son drugs or alcohol? No, I, I, I did not kidnap your kid. I, I gulped, not really meaning to use the K word. It just came out. The man gave me a long, slow look as if he was figuring something out. I didn't wait for him to finish figuring. I drove away fast. When I turned the corner, a tremendous sense of relief came over me. Whoa. I had just kidnapped the boss's son and lived to tell the story. But I never heard from that researcher again. And I never got paid for that fucking job.